Welcome to Sticky Standards, episode number 34. Sticky Standards. Professional learning that sticks. This is Dana Richardson. Welcome to Sticky Standards. Today, we have an amazing guest. I must say that I have learned so much over the years from Dennis Sparks. Dennis, I think I probably met you 30 years ago at a Learning Forward conference, maybe in Atlanta. So welcome to Sticky Standards, Dennis. And uh, why don't you share with our listeners just a little bit about your background and what brings you to today so we can talk about professional learning. Um, I would love to. Thanks, Dana. And thank you for the privilege of getting to do this. And when you said 30 years, I was thinking, I don't remember meeting you in high school, but you <laughs> know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was Atlanta instead. Um, well, I was a high school teacher, and then I was a director of an alternative high school for a few years. Then I was a director of a federally funded teacher center. I worked on my own as a consultant periodically. And for, um, I guess, about 23 years, I was the executive director of the National Staff Development Council, which is now called Learning Forward. And then since then, I've been working with um, school and school system leadership teams in terms of developing their skills. Mm -hmm. And doing a lot of writing. I have a weekly blog. Yes. And a book and some things like that. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you. This whole podcast will be about professional learning. And so many, many years ago, I remember you saying there's a difference between professional learning and training. And that always stuck with me as I think about uh, professional learning is really changing our practice. So do you want to just talk about that statement for a little bit? Well, let me step back from that just a, a little bit and then come back to the notion of training. I'm, an important distinction that I make, at least for me, is the difference between professional development and professional learning. Mm -hmm. Professional development is, is a process which may or may not produce an outcome of professional learning. So the learning, the professional learning could be you do learn a new skill through training. It could be that you're, you deepen your understanding, you change your beliefs, or a whole bunch of possible outcomes of professional development. When those outcomes are achieved, and, and then we have professional learning. So a lot of professional development, you know what it's called professional development or in-service or mm -hmm. you know, whatever the term that people happen to use, it only becomes really meaningful when it becomes professional learning. So when you think about professional learning and all the outcomes I just suggested for professional learning, training can achieve some of those. Training usually means that you're going for a particular skill, a particular outcome, the skill and the outcome are known, and you're preparing somebody to be able to do that. So if you were helping teachers, for instance, learn a new medical skill for a, a student population that they had to deal with, or maybe just CPR, there is a right way and a wrong way to do it, and you want people to be able to do it really perfectly the first time when, yeah. it, when it really matters. So that's the training. There probably are instructional skills that would benefit from training, like wait time. So wait time meaning giving learners, however old they are, a chance to think about something before they have to say it. And some teachers and some leaders are good at that naturally, and some are not. 
And so I think it can be taught, it can be practiced, we can get feedback, and we can get better at it. It has a very specific meaning, and it looks like a very particular thing in practice. But training may or may not tell somebody when to use wait time. So the notion of professional judgment, mm -hmm. or deeply understanding the benefits of wait time and why can be used in classrooms or why it should be used in classrooms would be part of a broader set of outcomes than the, the particular skill. So going back to CPR, you might know how to do CPR, but there are perhaps some individuals you ought not do it with because they're too frail mm. or their health conditions don't allow for it. So being able to step back and engage a sort of a judgment sense, a broader set of understandings would be the, the broader learning. Or just one other way to think about it, teaching is a process, student learning is the outcome. Just like professional development is a process, professional learning is the outcome. Perfect. Does that make some sense, Dana? Absolutely. It, it absolutely does. And I think as we continue both at a national level and, um, and of course here in Kansas, we keep wanting to figure out the key or keys to creating that culture uh, in buildings and in districts and, and at the state level of professional learning and the change that it's about change. What has been your experience when you've worked with districts or states to getting, like you, like you just said, from professional development to that change of practice either in the classroom or or teacher leaders or administrators, when you look at the big picture and you've got so much wonderful experience, what are the keys for that to happen? Well, I guess the most important thing for me is that related to the Gandhi saying something like, be the change you, you seek in the world. Mm -hmm. So if we seek a certain change in students, then we as teachers want to exemplify what that thing is. If we want them to be readers, it helps if we read. <laughs> if we want them to be curious, we demonstrate curiosity. So if you take it from the classroom and you go to the school, you want the school community, the teachers together, the administrators, the parents, the whole school community to exemplify the same qualities you seek in the classroom. So if you want kids to learn deeply and you want them to function well with others in whatever you call it, teamwork, mm -hmm. uh, cooperative learning, collaborative learning, you want them to do that in the classroom, then it's, I believe, essential really non-negotiable, mm -hmm. that teachers have teamwork or collaboration or whatever you call it um, in, in their school and that they do deep learning as you want students to do deep learning. I don't think it's possible to have a school where deep learning is pervasive in all the classrooms, where deep learning isn't part of teachers' work outside of the classroom. Right? You can have the exceptions. You can have the superstars who are going to do it no matter what. But if the goal is you want it for everybody, all the kids and all the teachers, then the school exemplifies those same qualities and processes. Then if you step back, and then so does the school system. You can't expect a school system to have principal meetings where they lecture uh, one-way communication to principals and expect those principals are going to go back and create very different kinds of faculty meetings that produce deep understanding and teamwork. Then you go back one more level to the whatever the next thing is, the state or the province, and the same kind of relationship. I believe it's essential that it exists. And very often, people one level up all along the way think it's not important that they do it. They just have to tell other people to do it, and then it will automatically happen. 
And that certainly is not my experience. So we want the province or the state to be the change they seek in school system. And we want the school system to be the change they seek in the school and the school to be the change that we seek for with teachers in classrooms. And we know that, and yet we see it not happening at state levels, at district levels. So the key is um, leadership, maybe? Yeah, I don't think anything happens without you know, leadership. It's, it's obviously one of the, one of the few, um, of all the things you could have as standards in professional learning, it's one of the few that Learning Forward selected as one of its key mm -hmm. um, standards. I just don't think any of the other standards happen or anything else happens without really skillful leadership. Now, here's the, here's the part of that that I think is, is maybe hardest for most of us. Somebody has to say to the emperor, respectfully, civilly, um, emperor, you are wearing no clothes. You know, somebody has to be able to go to the person who's the level up, mm -hmm. the, the, the teacher who can go to the principal, the principal who can go to the district administrator, the district administrator who can go to the state um, education officer, and so on, and say, listen, here's what I believe, assuming they believe what I just said. Exactly. And they, they say that in their own words, <laughs> and then they have a dialogue about it, and they persist until they see those changes happening in the circle around them. Just a piece of cake, right? <laughs> hard, hard, hard work. Absolutely. But you know, there are all these books written, columns written about crucial conversations, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. outrageous conversations. I just don't think things improve if people don't have them. Mm -hmm. We all know they're hard. They are hard. And, and it's that culture of you can do that, you know, the risk and the, the safety, I guess, of uh, being able to have those tough conversations at the district level or at the state level. But, you know, do you think, Dennis, that sometimes – there, we have some leaders who believe what you said, but don't know how to do it. Well, assuming it is their goal to do it, right? Not just believe. You know, and some people people do believe things. Like I believe it ought to be healthier, but I know the doing part is a little more challenging mm -hmm. and perhaps discouraging. So I, I know it. Then I, I have an intention to do it. Well, then I think we reach out. You know, we reach out to learning forward. Mm -hmm. We reach out to resources in our state or province. You know, we look to the bigger picture and say, who's going who's gonna to support me in doing this? I don't think there is a lack of knowledge today about what good professional development looks like. No one can say, well, I mean, who knows? It could be almost anything. You know, studies can say almost anything. I just, I think we're way past that. That would be like a doctor saying, I'm not so sure about this journey. I never see them, so I don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're way past what makes good professional development work in schools for the benefit of kids. So it's a matter of doing it. Mm -hmm. So one way is you kind of look out there and you say, well, who's a, a step or two ahead of us? Let's uh, partner with them and learn from them and figure out how to, I mean, I don't have to be perfect a year from now, but I want to be better at doing the things that we value as a school faculty a year from now. Mm -hmm. So I find somebody who's a little farther down the road. Or, you know, sometimes we just invent it. We look all around in our school system. There's nobody who seems to be doing much of anything. We say, well, okay, here's where we're going. This is what it looks like. This is what the literature has taught us. This is what it's going to look like. What's our next step? With urgency. You know, for the kids who are in our schools now, not down the road someplace. 
I think you're so right. I was thinking about this actually the other day. And sometimes we're afraid to take that first action because we're, uh, we've not done it before. We, we want to do it. We don't want to make a mistake. But just reaching out. And like in Kansas, I think we have almost a third of our superintendents are brand new within the last two years. Almost a third of our principals are new and have lived under No Child Left Behind and a different culture of what student success looks like. We're trying to change it from student achievement to a broader thing of student success, which takes engagement, um, those things. So helping those brand new administrators who lived under a different system, to be honest, sometimes, um, and providing that leadership for them, the skills. I think they want, I, I believe, like, I believe they all want to, but maybe they don't even know who to reach out to to, to create that culture of, of collaboration. Um, that's interesting thinking. Well, I think that in the last little bit, there's, there have been a few words that I sort of picked up on. We want to be successful without failure. We want to make meaningful change without risk. <laughs> we want to feel safe in courageous conversations. Almost all of those, probably all of those things, those would be contradictions. You don't have a courageous conversation if you feel safe. I mean, you, there'd be no need for courage. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So you have to summon up your courage to do the hard thing, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know what's going to happen here. And a lot of people say, well, I'll do it as soon as I know what the outcome will be. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe, but probably never, because who can guarantee the outcome? Mm -hmm. Who can guarantee that if I set out on this new path that I will be successful? that I will not meet with frustration and maybe even public failure. And that's who wants that. You have to have a purpose or, or a mission or vision, a goal, whatever you call it, that is so large and so important, you're willing to risk conversations where you don't necessarily feel 100% safe, mm -hmm. where if you do this thing, there is a, a, a downside, a possible downside that you prefer not to have. So you have to have a purpose that is so compelling that you keep in the front of your mind, like, I want all the kids in the school to be successful. Mm -hmm. I want them all to thrive. And I keep that goal in my head every day. And I'm not going to let anything, inter you know, like my lack of skillfulness, my lack of knowledge, my lack of courage to get in the way. So when I'm in a situation where I don't have the knowledge, I'm going to get it or I'm going to tap into it somehow. When I don't have the courage, well, I'm going to have to summon it up, admit that I don't have the courage, and go have the conversation in. And I know these things are not easy. But I don't see how we get from where we are to the new place without, I mean, literally, if you think nationally or internationally, yeah. tens of thousands of such conversations going on every day or week. Right. And back to that purpose, we've used a lot of uh, focus on the why. If we don't know the why, which is our purpose, and it's Simon Sinek's golden circle. So if we get the why, you're right. Then we, we are willing to risk or ask for, and if our hard purpose is student success, then we'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, and I guess I would add one other element to that. I think that that is essential, but to have it really be powerful, the kind of power that's necessary to, to do this over the long haul, there is kind of a moral component to it. 
And I don't mean necessarily religious, mm-hmm. although it could be. But it's, it's a moral purpose. You know, I, my purpose as an educator is to ensure that all children thrive. I believe that's what they were created for. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to ensure that as a leader of an institution that has children at the center of, of what it does. And so when I see them not thriving, then I'm, I, you know, I've got to step up to that. Mm-hmm. And that may mean the honest conversation. It may mean learning some things that are a struggle for me or grappling with my beliefs that may be barriers to making things better. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those could be part of what's required to achieve the thing that is so critically important to us. We cannot, we cannot let it go. Wow. Absolutely. That's pretty powerful. How do we do that? How do we do what? Move forward and have the courage to have those tough conversations. We do it one step at a time, I guess, don't we? Yeah, and, and it goes back to this idea of you know the Gandhi thing. It uh-huh. begins with me. Yeah. And so every opportunity I have in every venue, whether it's over the back fence with a neighbor, whether it's with a teacher, um, a superintendent, a state education official, whomever, I will be a, mon- a monomaniac with a mission. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I'm here for. That's my professional life. That's what I'm here for. Right. It's not to make light chit-chat. It's to make a difference for kids. Wow, I think that's a great way to end this conversation. Dennis, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any last final words before we say goodbye? No, I've, I've enjoyed this. Um, I, you know, I think conversations are powerful means of, of learning and not used often enough as a, as a means to learning. And I regard a conversation as a good one. When I think something or say something, I haven't previously said that way or thought about exactly that way. And this conversation has provided that for me, for which I'm very grateful. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity. And it's provided it for me too. So I'm, I'm very grateful too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. You're very welcome. You're listening to this podcast on the SDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.